1: mm Formula E's sixth season sparked into life with a double header on the streets of Diriyah in Saudi Arabia last Friday and Saturday, two dramatic races and victories shared by Sam Bird and Alexander Sims. I'm your host, Ed Straw, which those of you listening to this podcast on the Autosport feed will be all too used to, but this is a crossover episode that's also running in the feed of Motorsport Network's new Formula E podcast, Current Affairs. So for those listening there, consider me a guest host. But the very good news is that regular host Alex Kalinorkis is indeed here, direct from Saudi Arabia. You doing well, Alex? Hi, Ed. Yes, doing very well, thank you. We're um, it's approaching nine o'clock after the race,
0: and uh, haven't crashed yet, as in crashed through tiredness. We've got a plane to catch tonight, and uh,
1: yeah, just yeah, not doing too bad, thank you. You also have Auto Sports technical editor Jake Boxall leg with you, so I'm obliged to ask if there's any imminent puns that we should be bracing ourselves for, Jake
2: uh oh maybe i've got a few lined up uh no there is there's there's one that i submitted a story with earlier um that alex definitely enjoyed a lot oh i, I enjoyed
0: it but it didn't make it onto autosport.com uh i can't think why perhaps our new editor jack cousins maybe he
1: uh, just didn't didn't agree with that well let's crack on with it because i know you've got a flight to catch fairly shortly so thank you the big question was what the competitive order would be. Looking at qualifying, it was the Andretti BMW team that that led the way with Alexander Sims. He converted one of those poles into a victory in the second race. Sam Bird took the the first victory in Audi powered Vision Virgin. So, has that established those two teams as the as the teams to beat, or is as is always the case, it not quite that simple?
0: It's a bit of it's a bit of as always is the case. It's not quite simple. But I think one thing we can be fairly certain of is that Sam Bird. Proved the Audi package is very very good because he obviously I think he just dominated yesterday he was on course not only did he top the group qualifying for the first race he should have been on pole position really but he messed up his qualifying laps went out onto the really dusty slippery track and uh, and, and threw it all away there but then raced through in the race even even when he wasn't in attack mode in the highest power mode he was still able to keep up with the other leaders and I think he just really showed that he was on form there um Coming into the next day, he did absolutely all he could. He qualified seventh, which is just one spot out of superpole. Then he got involved in an incident in the race, but he was still coming forwards, and he looked like he was going to be right in the mix. Um, with BMW, they did they sort of they started off in race one. They sort of as they did last year in terms of got pole position, but then actually looked like they were going to lose out because they were overconsuming on energy, and that is what happened. In that Sims got overcome by those following in behind him. Uh, but then they worked on it overnight. There was a few little things. I chatted to the team principal Roger Griffiths, who said that Sims woke up this morning, great frame. Mind, they talked about how he could uh, defend, how he could, you know, uh, approach his energy management slightly different, multiple factors. And he just held it together in through a truly chaotic race. Uh, one thing, few things to flag is that. Um, possibly he was uh not lucky to get pole position he it was a tremendous lap including a terrific four wheel drift uh, coming out of turn 17 but actually that meant he, he left a bit of an open goal for people behind him and they they all missed particularly antonio felix to costa from ds to cheetah rapid in practice was up on sims in the first sector on his super Bowl lap then he threw it away in turn 17 even more than uh anybody else and uh, yeah and that cost him he was mired in the pack and then had a very uh an interesting race let's say that i'm sure we'll
1: get onto that later on Yeah, well, it's certainly uh pretty eventful what was going on I mean, if we look at the first race obviously Sam sandbird kind of battled his way through really really strong drive but uh sims sort of got shuffled back the other way didn't he had a, t- a couple of uh wheel banging incidents that uh that that shuffled him back should sims feel a little bit unlucky with what happened there or was it was he i, I think he was quite the first incident when he lost the lead he was fairly uh sensible about it. he says well that's just kind of what happens Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty pragmatic bloke and he's not the sort of
0: person to kick up a fuss over nothing. Uh, But what I would say is, yeah, it did sort of from the first glance on TV, it looked a little bit iffy. But then with so that's for when uh, Sandberg was attacking Stoffel Van Dorn and then Van Dorn uh, actually turned defence into attack and and, and moved against Sims. There was a little touch, a little bit of a clash. Uh, Van Dorn said it's uh, it's, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things for Formula E. Uh, But um, yeah, I think um, the series didn't even look at it. So, yeah. Not even, a, not, not even, don't even have to call it as a racing incident. It was just sort of one of those things. Sims, to his credit, just said, "Yeah, I, I I moved
1: to defend too late. Fair play. Crack on." I guess he was just caught out by it because it did look like a, a defensive move that kind of almost by chance became a, an attacking move by uh, by Van Dorn, didn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and uh, you know, but um, great, great uh, driving in the
0: second race. They sort of he, he had it all to had it all to deal with with multiple safety car restarts. Uh, but as uh, as Roger Gifford said, you know, actually all the action was happening behind him. All he had to do was was keep calm and carry on. And he's very, very good at that.
1: Uh, and obviously he had the the second incident was it F- uh, Robin Frins, I think who, who clattered him late on as well. Um, forced him. Why was that Sims? On, it was on it was Nick De, Nick De Freese. Ah, Nick De Vries, Yeah, there was a lot going had, on at the end uh,
0: of that race. Fines <laughs> did get by, but yes, it was uh, there. was uh, again. I asked him about that, and he said no. It was a fair move, bold, late, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing
1: uh untoward, and uh, yeah, again, happy to happy to let that one go completely. Yeah, and I suppose encouraging that uh, that he was able to kind of bounce back and uh, and and win the next day. But yeah, Bird really did look like a, a bit of a unstoppable force in that race, didn't he, coming through. It even from the, the early laps of the race, he looked like a possible winner, even though he had a lot of a lot of work to do. So we you know how good a racer he is and clearly a, a seriously good package. Absolutely and I'm very pleased because um although I, I uh,
0: being honest probably changed my mind on this multiple times and predicted various different people would win over yeah, the weekend. And
2: yeah, I don't know, Stock uh, stop clock is what I write.
0: Wow, very uh, mean that was. Uh, no, I had Mortara on pole and Buemi to win race one. And uh, uh, but but in, in a conversation that uh, I was party to with uh, Mark Webber, who was here being a Porsche ambassador this weekend, I did actually. He said, "Who do you think is going to win?" And I said, "Well, now seeing the grid, Sam Bird. That was my tip, and it paid off." So you know that made me look very good. But anyway. anyway, um, yeah, he he just looked terrific. He, he he seized. He went on the seized the initiative, went on the attack with the attack mode activations, used them positively. You know, obviously, with every attack mode activation, there is the risk that even if you use it to get by or to get close to someone else, when they in turn take it, you're then vulnerable to attack. But it didn't seem to phase Bird, and in fact, as I said earlier, he was able to stay with the two Mercedes drivers and Sims up ahead, even when they were in attack mode and he wasn't. So yeah, a, a terrific package. I mean, Jake, what did you th- what did you make of uh, how the how the car looked and, and and things like that? Well,
2: in testing, they I remember in the the second lot of race sim the sort of simulation race that they ran um the fake two race yeah the fake Racing race inverted commas um the two virgin cars envisioned virgin cars did something very very different to everybody else and they ran at a higher they sort of pushed a little bit more as if it was going to be the race and then pulled in a few laps from the end um and they treated it like it was that was more representative of a race simulation rather than, you know, trundling around doing, I think it was like one minute 22s or whatever around Valencia. That was less representative for them. And obviously we know Valencia is not a representative track in the formulary e environment. Um, the diria e-pre circuit is a very, very different kettle of fish indeed. Um, but they just seem to have this confidence and, um, Yeah, those two cars just worked really, really well, especially compared to the works uh, Audi cars as well. Um, And, yeah, Bird was unstoppable. Uh, He... he he
0: swooped to victory. Oh, I thought you were going to say sword. I was predicting sword. I thought he'd come with, with I, I sword. I've, se- I've
2: seen that too many times in press releases. And I thought swooped needed to enter the conversation.
0: No, very, very wise, very, very wise. One thing I would just add quickly, uh, Ed, is just to mention the track conditions on for the first day, for the first race there, about 80% new asphalt was, uh, was uh, installed around the Diriyah track because they had to actually insert some proper drainage after last year, all the practice sessions uh, got canceled because when it unexpectedly rained in the desert, um, yeah, what that meant was, was that everybody arrived having done, spent the summer simulating this track, uh, probably not the whole summer, but you know, and um it was completely different especially offline when you add in the desert sand and the dust and the usual the usual stuff that 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 will come in overnight and between sessions stuff and it was just perilous offline people drivers were saying it was like driving on ice it was like it was worse than driving in the wet here last year um and 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 speaking to 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 actually doing an upcoming feature on envision virgin and their new simulator that they've built at their silverstone base we bought i bought the track with their technical director chris gorn and he was saying look with these sort of things in formula e in general but particularly in this situation it's the driver's that can adapt, that will thrive. And Bird was just on it. They both, both him and Ryan's topped the practice sessions on day one. So that Virgin car was was well suited, uh,
1: you know, in in all conditions. It seems. And of course, in the second race, Bird did look like a threat as well. But then you had that clash with uh, with Mitch Evans, which Evans earned a, a under penalty for. How, how did you see that? Again, that was a, a kind of attack from Bird that then turned into a to a, a kind of trying to defend. And then he just ended up being kind of in the wrong position, didn't he, on the, on the outside in a very narrow corner. Yeah, he was trying to take advantage of da Costa's attack on, successful attack on
0: Lucas Degrassi into the first corner. And he just sort of, I think he got out wide on, onto the wider line. And as we, as we, even though there was more rubber laid down for the second race, it was still pretty perilous out there. Checked up, lost a bit of momentum. Evan stuck his nose in. Bird felt he was ahead. You know, we, I spoke to Sam in the, in the media pen afterwards. Uh, Jake, you spoke to Mitch. I think there's a bit of, a bit of dis- if, 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 if Bird said there was a few agreement on some things, some disagreement on some others. Uh, but unfortunately, actually, as a result, of, of something, I mean, th- 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 obviously it was it was clear that they'd, they'd raced on the on the track um, for for quite a long time since uh, FP two on the first day because that's actually quite a crucial bit for this uh, little incident was that the drainage and the manhole covers that were had been inserted into the track on some of them the asphalt was breaking up particularly at one at this very point on turn four it's actually moved the barrier out physically altered the track made it more very slightly more of a pinch point and narrowed it down and that is exactly where when Evans has got his nose alongside uh, Sandberg's rear wheels, that's where they hit in. So I don't know how much of a, you know, obviously, as I said, they would have raced past it multiple times since, but it's just worth noting that it was interesting. But um, yeah, Jake, what did uh, what did Mitch think of the incident?
2: Uh, well, he felt that the penalty was very, very harsh indeed. Um, he was given a drive-through bounty as a result of that incident. And I think looking on the balance of it is six of one and a half a dozen of the other. Evans saw the opportunity and went for it. Bird wanted to defend. Uh, Obviously, it all ended up in tears and it didn't really benefit either driver in either of the situations. Um, Then that had the knock-on effect of uh, Pascal Wehrlein coming steaming in and into Bird. But crucially, I think, although Bird sort of suggested that the incident wasn't his fault and he would Say it was more in Evans's court. He didn't want to blame the driver for them. So that's, that's quite nice, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, he certainly didn't want to blame Verline. I think he said there was just nothing he could do. He was just trying to to to, to handle the car as best he could after the Evan, Evans clash.
1: And, and certainly, you know, there's plenty of drivers who could uh, could have said they were in a position potentially to fight for victory across these these two races. And we should we should mention also in that race we saw the clash with boemi uh, who was uh, obviously right up there? Uh, it was da Costa, wasn't it? Who uh, picked him was. at a point where it appeared that from the TV coverage that Broemey was trying to dive into the uh, the uh, attack mode uh, lane. Is, is that correct? Is that basically what happened there? Yeah, that is. And as I sort of alluded to earlier, with da
0: Costa's uh, had quite an eventful second day. And um, yeah, that is exactly what happened. In that Broemey was about to come in to take the attack mode lane. There's an almighty disagreement between the two of them over over the incident. I think. Um, uh, Boemi is just like yeah. well, actually, actually, perhaps that's not fair. I think Boemi is more angry at the attack zone, uh, attack zone placement. He he just says that he says that he's raised this point time and time again. Doesn't think that you should have these attack modes where you're coming in from a corner and that's what taking you offline and you're losing a lot of time to gain the power. Uh, because what he still feels aggrieved by very very clearly uh, is the incident with Robin Fryant in Paris earlier this year in in last season because it was a similar thing. He was going into the attack mode zone, got hit from behind, gave him puncture. And he feels that, um, and probably correctly, actually, if all things play out the same way, that actually cost him the title last year because of the way he closed in on uh, John Vern in the last uh, New York races. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, he felt certainly felt very aggrieved by the situation. And um, Costa, for his part, was just like, you know, what, what was I supposed to do, really? Um, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was just one of those things he certainly said he was, felt very sorry for causing the incident, but didn't feel there was a lot he could do. He just turned in at his normal racing speed and
1: found uh, Boemi going unexpectedly slowly. It did cause a little bit of chaos, the, the attack mode in general. In the first race, actually, I thought it worked brilliantly and that it, the, it allowed the race, the battle up front, to ebb and flow. Lots of, sort of strategy in terms of when you took it, and it, it made it really, really interesting. The second race, obviously, we had that incident. We also had the problem with uh, Sims kind of quite sharply taking it at the restart, but that caused all manner of confusion behind him. With you know, he ended up with some people checking up, others taking the the attack mode. Uh, Maxi Günther making up was it almost half a dozen positions? I think he made up to get up to the second. I
0: do it was quite that much. I think he was running fifth at the time, but he did emerge in uh, yeah get, get out there into 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 the top uh, leading positions. But what 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 was interesting more than the sort of blaming the attack mode, it was actually the position of the safety car line because uh, the rule is is that you cannot overtake until you pass the control line. But if you go in the attack mode zone, you cannot be overtaken. Those are the that's overtaking under the safety car, effectively. Alexander Sims, as you alluded to, Ed, knew that rule exactly. He knew he could go in there, get the higher power mode because the safety car was coming in, and Antonio Felix Da Costa, who was running behind him at the time, couldn't overtake him. So Da Costa sort of moved in front, then got on the brakes and let Sims go back by. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, well, well, incidentally, Lucas Degrassi in the background had done that. And then, as you say, Stoppel Van Dorn saw that. Slammed on the brakes. Gunther st- uh, steams in, hits Van Dorn, loses the, the front uh, right wheel cover, but carries on going, moves up the order. And uh, actually, as we, as we speak to you, we do have now the final result in front of us because it took a long while to come in. And yeah, uh, Maximilian uh, Gunther has lost that second place. He's now he, outside the points, got handed a, a converted time penalty, 24 seconds, effectively a drive through, um, drops him from second to 11th out of the points so yeah it was certainly a very contentious issue wasn't the only one that did that nick de as well uh made up a number of positions and he was dumped out of the points as well also got a five second penalty for a technical infringement i believe jake you wrote that
2: yeah there was something wrong with so there's a a certain directive on how you use your your battery and everybody gets uh uh, the manual from mclaren applied Technologies who do the battery um, and you have to use the battery as that manual says and mercedes didn't do that i'm not entirely sure what the ins and outs of that are uh, the technical document doesn't really add any more than that other than it was used incorrectly but it was used incorrectly and you got five seconds plus the 24 for overtaking under the safety car so um, what was seventh place and then would have been sixth place uh, had he not been caught under the safety car and then became 16th so uh what was a very very good race from De Vries, uh battling up the field um he was absolutely elated with his drive after the race uh he comes back to earth with a crashing bump so that was a, a little bit of a shame for him I'm sure
0: but at least he hasn't got too long to wait for his next race he's off to Abu Dhabi as are you Jake Boxall leg uh, but anyway Nick De Vries will be racing in Formula 2 and
1: you won't be fortunately for the rest of the Formula no, 2 no I
2: managed to get out of Formula 2 before he did
1: yeah, sadly uh, for, for Abu Dhabi, JBL will be uh, accompanying me in heading over. So uh, oh, I don't know who I feel more sorry for, to be honest.
2: Ed <laughs> is going to enjoy having my company there. You should feel honoured.
0: Actually, he probably now, having spent all weekend with you, I do am swinging in Ed's sympathy towards Ed, actually, I must admit.
1: <laughs> Obviously, that that uh move did have a, an extra uh, benefit, shall we say, for BMW in that he was able to... Kind of be a little bit of a rolling roadblock to help protect Sims. I don't think that was deliberate or anything. It was just the, the pace he was running at, so it did make Sims's job a little bit easier in the in the closing stages. And I guess if you're Lucas Degrassi who was chasing Gunter, it's a little bit frustrating that a guy who he, who shouldn't have been there was uh, was there, stopping him getting at the uh, leader. So was Degrassi a bit a bit annoyed or frustrated about that, or was it just one of those didn't, things? Didn't sense that from him in in the press conference in Not. terms of.
0: No. Oh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, he's always hard to tell of Lucas because there's so many things that he's uh, he can be particularly irked by.
2: But. He's he's a man who has uh, he likes things a certain way, um, and sometimes in formulary that often goes against him, and he. Uh,
0: he wasn't particularly happy, but... I'll be honest, the reason why I was hesitant there was uh, because I was actually late to the press conference because uh, an autosport correspondent wears many hats at a Formula E race and one of those overran. So, I only wear one. <laughs> well, yeah, you wear it all the time as well. Um, as Kevin Turner, our previous guest on uh, Current Affairs, lambasts you for on, on every occasion. He's jealous. But- uh, but yeah, so you, you had attended the press conference and obviously uh, picked up what Lucas said initially. But I, when I arrived eventually, uh, I asked uh, Maxi Gunther about um, about if that was what BMW were telling him to do. Was he hanging back to protect Sims Lee? He actually said that uh, when he hit Van Dorn, he damaged the car slightly and he was more struggling with that rather than any consideration to protect the car ahead. We have to take him at his word, of course. Uh, but yeah, there we go.
1: And we should say, actually, we should probably. I should have probably brought this up when we talked about the Borrome spin. And, of course, he got a penalty in that race as well for an unsafe bit of rejoining after he, he looped it following the, the contact with, uh, with Da Costa. I must admit that penalty seemed fairly nailed on, really, in that he did kind of recover onto the racing line in front of cars. Absolutely. As you would have seen it this year's Italian Grand Prix with uh,
0: Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll both doing that. In uh, I mean, Vettel was initially the cause of it. But yeah, he got turned around completely and then just inch forward, inch forward and disrupted a lot of people there. Uh, pretty dangerous. I mean, he's, I spoke to him about that. said, you know, he was like, what do you expect me to do? Wait there for the whole field to go by. And it's like, well, it is a blind corner at very high speed, uh, Sebastian. But, you know, it's one of those things. There's no point
1: condemning him for something that he's been penalised for now. So there we go and well, he probably thought he might as well try it. Otherwise, he's going to be dropping right to the uh, to the to the very back. Um, well, I guess the the big storyline kind of coming into this this season was the uh, the arrival of, of Mercedes and Porsche. Both were able to be to the fore. Porsche not so quick in qualifying, but we had a lot of a second in the in the first race. Stoffel van Dorn took a couple of third places for Mercedes. Obviously, it's a big big deal for the series to have these two marks in here, and they were making a lot in the the pre race build up about having all of the the four big uh, German marks. Uh, In, in formulary. So what do we make of what we saw from, from those two? I mean, it looked like Mercedes were a bit more convincing all round because they seem to have some qualifying pace as well. But then again, the Porsche package looks plenty strong enough to be, to be up there as well. It's again,
0: unfortunately, it's a little bit of fence-sitting. It's still rather unclear how, how good they actually are compared to the others because multiple factors here, really. Mercedes uh, did acknowledge that they benefited from running in the later qualifying groups for the first race. That's how they were able to start, so high up second and third because uh, Nick de Vries is a rookie. He was in Group 4, Stoffel van Dorn, HWA had so many issues last year that he ended up for in the championship order at the end of last season, meant that he would run in Group 3 here. So you know they didn't shy away from that. They said, you know, look... We, we admit we acknowledge that, but of course you can only play the ball in front of you to uh, use a cricket uh, metaphor analogy there that I'm sure you all appreciate Ed. Um, so yeah, so that sort of benefited them in race one, but then you have to say, look at van Dorn, he surfed the chaos magnificently in the second race and well-deserved his fourth place, which became third, uh, when Gunther was disqualified and, and the same with Porsche really, uh, Andre Losser, because of his great championship result last year, when he drove for DS to Cheetah, went in, uh, went in group three because he finished eighth in the championship last year. So, sorry, so in, in group two, apologies. And, um, you know, he he didn't qualify terribly. Sort of mid pack, raced his way up into second place. Really, really showed some some sparkling form there. And also in race two, Lotterer uh, raced his way up the order. Actually crossed the line in sixth place. Got an immediate penalty for a safety car infraction. But I spoke to him about this, and it was actually completely different to what got uh, uh, Gunther and DeFries their penalties. It was at the very beginning of that safety car, which was triggered by the uh, the sandbird car being stranded. Pascal Verline, who whose cars were so badly damaged that uh, lotterer and Robin Freins, who retired later on in the race in an incident he said he's lost the rear of the car all by himself um they went past him because his car was so badly damaged and then he went out anyway so they sort of nothing they could do really. so they they felt a uh, penalty was uh, was rather harsh
1: but j b l at the risk of triggering some more fence sitting did did you get any feel in terms of the relative merits of the uh of the uh the, the, the powertrains do you want to nail your colors to the mast fence sitting. When do Acc- I ever sit on the there. fence? That's his favourite position. There, fence sitting.
2: Um, so, uh, Mercedes obviously was very, very quick. Um, we did see uh, when we were watching trackside and testing. Um, I had a real beam up on it that they were going to be pretty mega, um, for the reason that in the particularly you know tight sections of the course, um, they looked really, really good in terms of acceleration. Um, and I put this to uh, one of the drivers who sh- or remain nameless, but his name rhymes with uh, Victor Neurice. Uh, that was labored. That was very labored. Um, and he, he was very, very cagey about it. And he's like, oh, I don't I don't know what you mean by that. Um, uh, it was a straight no comment, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. No comment. No uh, comment. And then we go and see them uh, in qualifying in race one, uh lockout two and three. Uh Andor gets a podium and I asked him after the race I was like, uh, how do you feel now? Um and it was obviously that the car the car is obviously very good. The two venturias were up there. Uh Mortara was in amongst the crowd all weekend. Um Massa had various transgressions and troubles and didn't impress quite so much but it's clear that that Mert powertrain is very very good um, we were a little bit worried about how it would end up being in terms of the race how it would end up being in terms of efficiency but it might be a little bit further back on everybody else um, Formula E tried a nice little graphic during the race that suggested that you know Van Dorn wasn't quite as good in regen as the cars in front of him but it looks like a good powertrain Porsche it's harder to say um, Lotterer looks very very much at home with it uh obviously p2 and then race through the field again in race two uh neil johnny uh feel look he just he looks like he's got a lot more adapting to do um in the car uh E is a very different ball game for him so the jury's still out on one but the other one does look like a front runner um which is impressive in your first
0: year of competition so well done mercedes yeah i'd agree with what you say there about johnny i think that it did it did appear from the outside. It was more sort of driver to car the issue rather than a fundamental problem with the package. And actually incidental note for race one was that he qualified fairly well, fairly well back in the order. And actually because of the the, the hill that the start line takes place on at the Deiria circuit, he said he couldn't see the lights. Just couldn't see, didn't see them go from red at all. There was, didn't, It was just uh, completely it. was not
2: the only thing that failed to shine in his weekend, was it? No, too harsh? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not that? acknowledging that. <laughs>
1: Uh, we should also mention the the reigning champion, uh, jean eric Verne and his technical cheater team. Obviously that... Oh, they love it when you say that. I I, I have to do it. It's just, just mandatory. But that package has got a pace. to Costa showed that as well. Verne showed it as well. But obviously it was a difficult weekend. Verne started at the back of the second race, didn't he, with a, um, with a stop-go penalty thanks to uh, the, the battery change as a result of a crash, wasn't it? But managed to come back through and he was, he was eighth in the final results with a bit of help from the, from the safety car. So... Although it was overall, in terms of results, a bad weekend for them, I guess they can be relatively encouraged from the fact that the pace is there. It's not like they suddenly vanished from the, the conversation. Mm. Uh, it? It's interesting. I
0: mean, although he finished on the podium here last year, this track is not a happy hunting ground for Diaz de Chita because they lost the one certain one-two last year to some penalties. Uh, yeah, first race, John O'Reilly, you know, he he topped group one it, it, in the, in, of the two races, the more difficult group one because of the slippery track conditions. He really was on it. I, was a, I thought that was a very impressive lap from him. Started mid-pack, but he just didn't go anywhere. We were looking at him on the timing screens, thinking nothing's happening there. It's really odd. And then suddenly came up with a P next to his name on the on the timing screen. It was in the pit. Uh, 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 Retiring the car because he had uh, had damage to his uh, to his steering uh, rack, and it. The, I think the teams were actually working to investigate that and fix it until about one or two o'clock in the morning he certainly had to break curfew um and it turns out that there was just yeah a part on the end of it that was was absolutely 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 gone no one had seen any a failure like that before so you know it was just one of those unfortunate things he said the steering was just getting heavier and heavier and heavier and in the end he stopped for just for safety reasons i don't think he could hold on anymore but he did very well to complete the distance that he did and then yeah race too again like only one practice session because it's a double header. Uh, he crashed at turn seventeen. Didn't did, sort of reported it in the in the media pen when I spoke to him. It wasn't a massive crash, but it it triggered the G sensor over thirty two G, which uh, has two things that happen. That in that Vern had to have a visit from the doctor to make sure he was okay, which he was. Uh, but it also meant the battery had to go to essentially the doctor at McLaren and Pride Technologies to check it all out. Uh, and DSGT were very confident, or, or certainly Vern was. I spoke to him before qualifying that he'd got a replacement battery on a temporary basis. The other uh, battery would be given the OK. It would come back for Santiago and away we go. All fine. However, it was discovered that there was a little bit of damage. They're not quite sure what. Uh, or at the time I spoke to team boss Mark Preston, they couldn't quite say what it was. Um, but what it meant was that was et Verne was uh, straight down to the back of the grid. Um, starting last, uh, and actually with a, 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 an even more of a penalty because he couldn't take the full sanction which was a drop of 20 grid positions because he was again starting in the mid-pack and meant he had to come in and do a stop go penalty uh in the race so we did that after the start of the first lap and the the, the thinking was right i'll save energy save energy save energy then when there's a safety guard i can come up the order but it just didn't quite work out for him he just left him with too much to do and it, okay he got up to the uh at the flag he was out actually still outside the points but these uh all these post-race penalties have actually boosted him to eighth so yeah i mean but yeah as you say da costa showed very good pace Again, it just appears that this track does
1: not like Diaz to Cheetah. So kind of in the in the final reckoning, we've got a list of about just about every team that could be up there. I guess uh, Neo struggled kind of as expected.
2: Oh, poor old Oliver Turvey. Ah, uh, well, that's that's the story in itself um, in that he was eighth, then seventh and he was looking good. And then yeah, at one uh,
0: point, I think he thought he could be fifth with all yeah,
2: the penalties going on. He looked like he was a very happy bunny in the pen. And then he got disqualified for going over his uh, maximum allowable energy. So that's in, in F1 terms. If you're a petrol head listening to this, you've got this far and you've thought, what does that mean? That would be like using too much fuel. So uh, he's he got disqualified. Bye-bye Turvey. Bye-bye points. Neo three three three.
1: So does that mean we think every team's in it then, pretty much? Is that our... uh is that our arch fence sitting conclusion? No, N- N- Neo are not in it. Not in it. He <laughs> I just was a, to he give a, a, ca- a shout out. A chaotic race. To be fair to
0: derby he performed magnificently this weekend, uh, as he always has. You know, he's, again, he's one of those ter- terrific Formula E drivers. who just doesn't have the results to match his talent. But yeah, this is just so unfortunate. We all, we often talk in motorsport that if it's a chaotic event, the smaller teams that or the teams that are unfancied have to capitalise, and Turvey did that. But unfortunately, just got pinged at the last there.
1: So overall, it looks like it's going to be. Again, a similar season to last year in that there's going to be a lot of ebb and flowing based on where you are in the championship, which qualifying group you're in. There's a lot of cars and packages that that are in a position to win and it's just going to kind of stay pretty close up up front, I guess. We're going to see multiple teams and drivers in it come the, uh, the final round. Absolutely. I
0: think it's worth touching on Audi a little bit here because I spoke to Alan McNish after after both races. Uh he disputed the fact the the suggestion that Riyadh is a sort of a bogey track for Audi because things didn't go very well for them here last year as well. Um but it's interesting, uh Lucas Degrassi said in the press conference that they flipped the car and made lots and lots of changes to it. Took a bit of a chance, he said as well, on some things, and it paid off handsomely with third place, it then became second place. Uh but what was interesting speaking speaking to Alan was that He's saying that yeah that the 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 field is just so compact even more so than last year, and again he highlighted something that really is crucial in Formula E these days and that's qualifying. the championship order qualifying rules have such an effect with the groups with the group one effects and the track evolution that that is what it's going to come down to so again, yeah I mean I appreciate this is very early on and this is the classic cliche, but it is just you can't predict a winner at this point.
1: Well, that's always good news for the racing. One thing we can predict is if you two don't get going fairly soon, you are going to miss your, uh, miss your flight. So we're going to have to bring it to a close there. So thanks very much, Alex cullen and Jake boxer Leg, and good luck with your journey to the airport. Thank you, Ed. Very I much. think um, JBL has got a Burger King in
2: mind. I'm looking think, forward to a Burger King. Which ho-
0: hopefully goes better than last time when we were at the Valencia airport, and you failed to get any tomato ketchup.
2: They never asked, and you did not ask for any in the order. Therefore, it was assumed.
0: It's always assumed. Uh, I plead the fifth. And well, actually, he got instant karma because he ordered himself a beer in Valencia. It turned out to be a 0.0% beer that he'd ordered oh, himself. Oh, so I was preparing for this race. Yeah, it doesn't matter if that happens here. If, uh, you know, we're in Saudi <laughs> Arabia, obviously a dry country. That certainly
1: uh, wouldn't be an issue. The trials and tribulations of uh, covering Formula E though. Well, I, I wish you luck in your, your quest for uh, nutrition, if that's indeed the right, uh, the right word for it. Yes, thank you, Ed. You note our priorities food of course of course well no you've got to uh you got to have a bit of energy so uh yeah do head to autosport.com there's loads of stuff from alex and jake there based on Formula E and all the news from the rest of the world of motorsport autosport magazine on thursday will have a nice long in-depth report as well the autosport podcast out every monday and thursday also do subscribe to current affairs the new alex cullen orcus usually presented uh, formula e-podcast from motorsport network thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another autosport podcast
0: The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this?
2: Breakfast from Mickey D's.
0: From me? Yep.
1: Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer.